now to introduce Adrian and pray for him um, as he prepares to speak to us. Father, I thank you for Adrian. I know you have been with him as he has prepared. And my prayer now is, Holy Spirit, to come and have your way in him so that through him we may receive all that you want us to receive and know now. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning to you all. I said a lot of things in a short space of time last night, um, but there were two particular things that I said, which in a way are the two key values that we started with. And one is that God has said yes to us in Jesus. And the second is that we have said yes in return which makes us servants or slaves, obedient servants of God. And what I'm now going to talk about is, in a way, an expansion of the yes that God has said to us, the fact that we are chosen. It's the generous hospitality of God. But, and this is part of what I'm going to say now before coffee, because we have been chosen by God we are being transformed by God. So it's chosen and transformed. But let me begin by um, telling you a story about hospitality. When I was a curate, I did my, served my curacy in Port of Spain, which is the capital of Trinidad, in the cathedral, which was um, closed as a result of an earthquake um, earlier this year. I don't know if they've opened it again. It's a lovely building. And um, it's one of the great things about it is it's right in the centre of Port of Spain, next to the Hyde Park of Port of Spain, the place where the homeless are and the street preachers are, so it's full of life, and just down from the slums. So the ordinary congregation of the cathedral is common or garden people like you and me. But also, because it's a cathedral, there are one or two people who came who were from the city and some of those people were embassy staff, high commission staff, ambassadors, you know high people, not like you and me, but really smart, posh, important people. And one of those was the lovely, lovely, godly wife of the Nigerian high commissioner. She was a saint. And she was there faithfully. Her husband never came. She was an absolute saint, a prayerful woman. And I remember once I invited her to um, give a talk on, on prayer on a Friday morning at lunchtime when all the workers came. And she was great. And she came dressed up in traditional costume. And she was a star. She was a star for Christ. She shone. She burnt brightly. And she thought she was doing me a favor when, poor little me, you know, just the curate, um, she invited me to come to a high commission, an embassy reception at the high commissioner's or ambassador's house. So I did what I didn't do very much then, don't do very much now, I put on a dog collar, 
and I put on a suit. Yes, I do have a suit. I wear it once a year for a funeral. Um, but I put on the suit because I was going to the ambassador's house. And you want to be your best when you're going to the ambassador's house because the ambassador is the representative of the king or president. And um, I know that there are some of you here who are Nigerians, and this is nothing against Nigeria. Um, you'll understand that. I turned up at this heaving horde of people, and there were servants at the door, and there was champagne on trays, and I took a glass of champagne, and I went inside, and I wriggled my way in, and there were little things to eat, little boucher and all the rest of it, and I had a couple of those. And how old was I at the time? I was 24. And I didn't know how to socialize, and I stood there. Well, that's what you do when you visit the embassy. You wait for someone to come and say, you are very welcome. Which, of course, my experience all around Africa and in the Caribbean. And I stood there, and I stood there, and I tried talking to people. And nobody spoke to me, and nobody came to welcome me. I survived 10 minutes. I turned around, I walked out, nobody followed me out. Nobody missed me. And I went home. And I felt so heavy. Can you feel the feeling? What did I feel? I think I felt let down. I had been given an invitation and the invitation was worth nothing. I had been asked to come in, but I was invisible. I had been spoken to on a printed piece of paper, but when it came to it, nobody actually opened their mouth to me. I didn't cry, I don't cry easily, I do cry, but I was crying inside. I felt, I suppose the best word is humiliated. I felt that big, and I am quite shy. You may not think it with me standing, it's easy to stand in front of a crowd of people. I'm not very good in a cocktail party. I wait for someone to come to talk to me, I try. And I will come and talk to some of you, but please come and talk to me because I'm shy. <laughs> I felt that big. And I remembered this when I started to prepare um, on this amazing passage that Harry's just read for us on the generous hospitality of God. Because we get an invitation from God, And in a way, the first part of chapter one of Ephesians, which is a really stonking book, is this invitation which says, I'm inviting you to come in because you have always belonged here. So it's not an invitation to come to a special place just for a privilege to drink a glass of champagne and then you can go back into your slum life. But it's a come in, come home. 
And I don't know if you were following the passage. It's quite complicated, and Paul gets really excited in it. And in the Greek, there isn't a full stop for 18 verses. He just, it's Paul at his most excited. And he says, come in, and put it very simply, I chose you, I destined you, I saved you, I told you my will, I prepared an inheritance for you, and I marked you with my brand. So it's not just I chose you. When you come home, you will realize that here is where you always belonged. Here is where you always belonged. But of course, in this invitation, God is speaking to you, even as God says, come in. And then God takes you into his secret. It's almost as if I'd gone to this um, party and the ambassador had made a beeline for me and said, it is so good to see you here. Here's your passport. You have always been a citizen. Have always been a citizen. Before the foundation of the world, I sat there and I thought, what shall I make? I'll make an Adele. I'll make a Jeremy. I'll make a, well, you put your name in there. I'll make an Adrian. So before that bit that you get in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You have God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit planning you and writing an invitation so that when you actually turn up, you know that you belong. Not because a glass of drink is pushed into your hand, but because you can go, ah, oh, I don't need anybody to speak to me because I know I'm just home. And in that, I particularly love the brand thing. I mean, we're used to branding, aren't we? And logos and all the rest of it. And um, I know who baptised me. It was the Bishop of Trinidad and Tobago because my father asked him to be Godfather. And he said, I can't do that. Otherwise, all the clergy will want all their children to have me as the Godfather. But I'll baptise him. So um, I had other godparents. But I know that I think it was June the 6th, 1949, because that's what he would have done. The bishop branded me. And I love, I still love when I watch a baptism, when the person baptizing, which can be any Christian person, of course, doesn't have to be a minister, holds the baby or holds the child or holds the adult and does that. And it's branded, tattooed, marked, engraved. And if there were some kind of heavenly laser light, it would gleam. That's my brand. So I don't need an invitation to walk into the, uh, <laughs> the kingdom of heaven because I've got the mark. I've got the mark. I've got God's own mark on me. Come in. I chose you. And then the second thing, um, which you get in verses, let me just give you it, in the um, second part of it, from verse uh, 11 onwards, you have the, come in, yes, I know you're not dressed properly. You're a scruffy lot, look at you. 
I mean, just look at you. How dare you come here dressed like that? And so we have the story about Christ and his gift on the cross. And I'm tempted to despair when I hear Christians despairing about themselves because isn't it just the point that God knows much better how scruffy you are than you know yourself? Isn't that the point? Yes, you are a sinner. This is the gospel. But that is not held against you by God. I forgave you. I forgive you. I've paid the price. We've been singing it. And so we go, I had to put my suit on to go to the party. There's no suit needed for this party. And much as I like dressing, I'm a dressing up sort of person. And I don't mind all the robes stuff. Uh, It's the kind of church I grew up in. But actually, we need to be careful that we don't over-smarten ourselves in order to be acceptable to God. It's a really deep truth that God says, come in, you scruffy lot. He does take your shoes off for you at the door, your shoes of sin, and dunk them in a bucket. He probably puts them in a black bag and sends them to the dump, doesn't he? Come in, you're a scruffy lot. And then, um, following that, uh, we have uh, all these amazing words. You, uh, when you were included in Christ, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. For this reason, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And God says, thirdly, come in, I need you as my army. And one of the things I need to say to you and will be saying to you as the weekend unfolds, that God hasn't chosen you just as individuals, but as a body corporate, a community, an army together. One of the other things that troubles me about the church today is that we treat it as if it were a commodity that I can buy into or not. Whereas God's way of looking is, I invited you and 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 you, and and I didn't just invite you as a bunch of individuals, but I invited you in together to do something together And sometimes that will be quite costly and we'll come to that. But the whole point of this is that I need you as my army. And one of the the third kingdom value that I want to add now is that we are called to be together. And most of the Bible is written in the plural and not in the singular. Most of the Bible is written in the plural. Church isn't something we do because it makes us feel good. Church is the place we come because it's where we're at home with God and all the other people God has chosen. And yes, when you look around, they are a scruffy lot, aren't they? And when you get really fed up with um, Pip and Jim's, um, you can find the next church down the road, which is going to be absolutely perfect. And there are times and places for moving church, but there are jolly well times and places for not moving church. 
One of the things I'm really grateful to God for as a minister is I've never had, until I retired, the privilege of choosing what church I went to because I was the vicar. (laughs) And there's a real sense in which, um, Adele, you didn't choose to come here. You had a bit of a say in it, but it's like, that's where I want you, and I want you on the days when you're glad to be here, and I guess that God wants you here on the days when you don't want to be here. And there might be one or two of those. I'm not telling any secrets out of court, because that's the way it is. So come in. I need you as my army. And you, yes, you're branded. You are conscripted. Our son's a chaplain in the Air Force. He can't choose when he turns up and when he doesn't. He's under orders, and there's a real sense of you being in St. Philip and St. James Walderslade under orders, not under Martin's orders or the PCC's orders, but God's orders. And that's all here in Ephesians 2. So come in, I chose you, come in, I forgive you, come in, I need you as my army. So you know you're at home, but being at home is a costly business as well. And now let me tell you what God needs of you as that army. Um, You won't find this anywhere. I've modeled this on a passage in Isaiah. Church, churches are often, I speak as a former vicar, really boring, dull, awful, excruciating places to be. And what God needs is a spirit of enthusiasm, a spirit of joy, a spirit of contentment. I'm at home. A spirit of fun. Don't get too serious about church. A spirit of generosity, a spirit of acceptance, and above all, a passionate spirit. A risky spirit. A spirit which says, this is just the most amazing thing that I could be doing with my Saturday morning. Not sitting in here so I can be here for the rest of my life. That's when you're in heaven, and that'll be much better than here. But sitting in here so that we can be enthused to go out with a spirit and take a spirit of enthusiasm and joy and all the rest of it into... Um, into the world, into Walderslade and all the other places that you live. But if you Google um, church is boring, you get millions of hits. And I wonder what it would take for the people around here to so know that this place was bubbling that they'd roll in. And of course, it would have to be you Bubbling. I did once have someone who came to church and eventually got converted because he was walking past the church and he heard the drummer drumming. And he liked drumming, so he came in, and the rest, as they say, is history. But drumming is nothing to the bubbling spirit of someone who knows that they are chosen by God. Wow. It's contagious. You think diseases are contagious and you put masks over your face? I think the church sometimes has a mask over its face so that nobody will catch anything. 
Not this one, of course. <laughs> so come in. That's the first part. That's me expanding on the yes that God said to you. For just three, four, five minutes, turn to the people around you and tell them what you've heard so far, because you might not have heard what I've said, you might have heard something else that God's saying to you. Just talk about what you've heard, because that's a way of embedding it before I take it on, and then... It's not homework, I'm not gonna... I might ask you to tell me, but you don't have to, so don't, don't be nervous, just talk. Talk among yourselves. Talk about the weather if you must. <laughs> Complain about... The government, if you must, but I'd rather you talk about this.
Can you um, begin to bring your conversation to an end, please? It's all right. I could shut them up. I'm always interested in the people who get so deep into a conversation that the world disappears. Maybe that's the most important thing you'll hear this morning. Maybe not. Does anybody want to just say something back to me so I can hear the sound of somebody else's voice? Don't have to, but I'll ask. Yeah. Uh, you, you sit there and say, right, let's, let's find a way ahead. Mm. Uh, I thought that was really powerful. Thank you. Yeah, I said that in the men's breakfast, um, uh, but it applies to some of the things I've been saying in this session as well. Yeah. It's so easy, isn't it? I'm right, you're wrong, so I'll form a committee of one. <laughs> it's called dictatorship. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting how deluded some people are that yes. it is working. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's good to think of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit sitting there before the creation of the world, yeah. planning each one of us and knowing, yeah. knowing what he was going to do with yeah. us. I've had a friend who said that. Mm. And I bet there was a bit of laughter when they planned you and me. Yeah. <laughs> I think God can laugh, yeah. It was a mistake. Yes. To know that actually I wasn't a mistake. I know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> because we go around live. Yeah, not wanted. Mm. No, it wasn't that I wasn't. Okay, right, but yeah, not planned. But I was planned. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and God's great like that. And for, so often, for people who don't know what their origins are, for all sorts of reasons, refugees, fostered, adopted, and the like, to have this sense of identity is brilliant. Sorry, there was someone over here who was going to say something, I think. I thought I heard a voice. I thought I heard a voice. <laughs> Through the thick and thin, we've yeah. got to stick together. Yeah. Yes. yes. Hmm? Very simply and very well put, through the thick and thin, we've got to stick together. I thought of that old chorus, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. Um, I got it up. Can you sing it? Because I don't... Folks don't understand it, nor can I keep it quiet. It's bubbling, 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 bubbling. 
grovelling day and night. It's, it's really, really old. <laughs> but here's the passionate spirit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're all sitting <laughs> They're all going like this. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. There's more to say, and we'll, we'll carry it on. Uh, and I didn't say at the beginning that if any of you have anything you want to ask me but don't want to ask me face-to-face, um, give it to Adele or Martin or somebody else over the course of the weekend. And I don't have all the answers to all the questions. The older I get, the less I'm bothered about most of the questions. <laughs> all I want is Jesus. <laughs> but I might, have a, I might have an opinion, and I hope it would be a godly one. Let me just move on to the um, second part, which won't be as long as the first part. In the um, second part of the chapter, we come to, we've done the time to talk, um, we come to the transformation that comes as a result of being chosen by God. And there are four things that are listed, and I'm really just going to comment briefly on each of them. And they, they are by way of what pray, um, Paul prays for the church. And first of all, in verse 17 of chapter 1, he says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. And so Paul prays that we will have intimacy with God that you will see God, hear God, know God, be close to God, so that when you walk into the place of God, God makes a beeline for you and says, I've been waiting for you, I had something to say to you. I love you, but you know that. I also want to say to you, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and I said this this morning in the men's breakfast, and I'll say it here again now. We need to make ourselves available This is kind of turning my story on its head because it's when we come into the presence of God, God can't wait to talk to us. The problem is not with God, it's with me that so often I'm so busy and sometimes I'm so busy doing church things or religious things or just living life that I don't put myself in a place where the spirit of wisdom and revelation that Paul prays for for me can kick in. How on earth can God reveal himself to me if I've not even got my eyes open and my ears open? I was running the other day in, where was I? Oh, near Ashbourne in South Derbyshire. We were on holiday. And I was running across a fallow field and there was stubble. And I suddenly realised as I was running that there were little white things flashing at me. So I stopped because I do wildflowers and I looked down. Do you know the, the field, for all that it's, um, it, it was late September then, was covered in white violets. And I don't think anybody, you couldn't see the field from the road. And you almost had to kneel down. And in the next field, it was just covered in scarlet pimpernels. But you have to stop. Friends, the spirit of wisdom and revelation which God is giving you is all very well, but you have to stop. You get the point. The second in verse 18 is to know the hope to which he has called you, which means that your future is also positive. 
Let me tell you, I'll illustrate this by way of a parishioner that we had in near Sharpville in South Africa where um, we looked after two churches part-time. We were in full-time theological education. Um, you know what the AIDS epidemic is like in, in Southern Africa. You will have heard on the news. And um, Queenie, was her name, came to see me. She um, was HIV positive because her husband had played around. She had not played around. I know that. I trust her. Um, she'd got AIDS from him. The HIV virus had not kicked in with him, but it had kicked in with her. And she knew she hadn't got long to live. And she said, Father, because that's what she called her clergy, um, I want to tell the congregation that I'm HIV positive. And I said, are you sure, Queenie? Because people have been stoned to death in South Africa for being known as having AIDS. And she said, yes, I want to tell them. And she was the first person ever to tell the congregation that she was HIV positive. She stood up there. I mean, she was as thin as a rake. You think I'm thin. She was half my size. You know, it was fairly obvious that she was HIV positive, but she named the monster. And she cried, and the congregation cried. And I suppose it was about six months after that, uh, to give the congregation credit, they, they pulled around her in the most remarkable way. And I went to see her when she was dying in her shack in Everton, it was, not Everton, Liverpool, Everton in Sebokeng. And she lived in a one-room shack, um, very tidy, neat thing. And there were about 30 people in there because people gather around someone's sickbed. And I prayed with her and I think I gave her communion and thought, do you know what I want? Something's just occurred to me. I, I knew that I wanted to kiss her before I left. Does that sound strange? No, I mean, nothing sexual about it, you understand that. I, I think at the time I thought I was doing it for her. Now I know that I was doing it for me. Because I saw in Queenie that she knew the hope to which God had called her. And she was, she was sorry she was leaving her children behind, obviously, and was trying to make provision for them. And there were lots of other things. And like me, she would like to have lived longer. But she wasn't afraid to go where she was going. She knew that this is what God had always had in store for her. And that conversation that you were talking about between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit doesn't just start with the beginning, but it ends with an end because God is Alpha and Omega, the A and Z of our lives. And so much as I, I'm not ready to die in the sense that I'm not just, oh, please, death, come on, hurry up. There, there is a time for that. That's in store. And so while I live, I know that I'm not just marking time till I die. There used to be an old song, which I don't like, the world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. A Christian song. It's not true. The world is my home with God for now. And there is a better home by and by, but for now, here.
So there's hope all the way through. And if you think you've come to the end, God's got a lot of surprises up his sleeve for you. They might not be big surprises, but they might be surprising surprises. And the third, they all link together, don't they? In verse 18 is the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, Paul says. And here, it's enough just to underline what I've already said, because the gift, the riches of God's glorious inheritance is actually referring to the church. You are my inheritance. And it's not a golem-like inheritance. Mine, all my precious. But it's ours, all ours, precious. Look around you and just whisper precious. Go on, go on, dare you. <laughs> but don't do it like Gollum, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Why is it I'm so good at imitating Gollum? <laughs> what a wonderful gift. One of the treasures of worship, I mean, South Africa, I've celebrated the Eucharist in nine different languages. And liturgy is really good when you don't know the languages very well. But I've pitched up in Tanzania, and I don't know Swahili, and I've sat in the cathedral there, and they've sung hymns, and I've read the words, and I've not known what they meant, but I knew the tunes, and I've known nothing except that I've known that I was with my family, that God planned for me. And I can go somewhere in the world, and I can go for two days, and you arrive, and you know you're at home, which is exactly what happened to you in Zimbabwe. You've never been there before, may never go there again, but you arrive, and you're at home. And then the last of these things is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. So not because you feel it, or because you're ordained, which most of you aren't, or because you're on the PCC, which most of you aren't, or because you have a named role in the church, which many of you haven't, but because you are in Christ, and we'll come to gifts later, you have the immeasurable power of God in you. Do you use it for the sake of others? Do you touch others with the presence of God? Because when you walk into someone's house, you take Christ with you. And you may not be able to say it, but they will know. <sighs> and all the times I've visited people in hospital as a hospital chaplain or just as a parish priest and offered prayer, I've never had prayer refused except by Christians. <laughs> And I think it's because Christians know that when you pray, things happen. <laughs> and then you might not like what happens to happen. Actually, when you pray, things happen. The immeasurable power of God. You lay hands on, you know, I lay hands on Philip and pray for him. Something will happen. Might not be what I think is going to happen, and I won't, not without your permission, because <laughs> that would be abusive. But 
do you have it? And isn't it funny? That, and this is a particularly Anglican problem. It's not just Anglican, it's Methodist and Catholic and all the established churches. We think that the power is at the front. And here's where the power is. Oh, yes. So, that's what God's doing in us, whom he has chosen. And I'm excited. So, here you are. The first kingdom value is the fact that God said yes to you. The second kingdom value is that you said yes to God. I've used the language of Romans 6 there. And this one, just now, is those whom God chooses and values, he will transform. Expect to be changed. It won't always be comfortable. We'll come back to that later. Enjoy your coffee. Thank you. Okay. I must tell you that in Africa, when people clap, the person clapped also claps. It's much less embarrassing. So in future, if you clap, I'll clap too. There's coffee. There's also prayer ministry. Um, and I think Trevor and Rosie were going to end the session with a, a song, another hymn. Would that... I told Trevor, but not you, Rosie. <laughs> Oh, ask Trevor, not you. Um, so we do have, um, I can't remember the names, you know who you are. Of